0: So the Vancouver Canucks are really going to need to hit the reset button quickly after whatever that was last night, yesterday afternoon. 17 goals? Really? Uh, Minnesota beats Vancouver 10-7 after being down 5-2 and 6-3. They ended the second period down 6-3, and uh, yes, that means it was a seven-goal third period for the Minnesota Wild. This game featured three hat-tricks. First one by JT Miller. Um the second by Joel Eriksenak, and then the third one was capped off with only a few seconds left on the empty netter by Kirill Kaprizov. The last time that happened in a regular season game, uh, I was not born. Neither was Raven. Um, that might make some people feel old, but uh, definitely makes me feel old too. 1992, Mike Donnelly, Luke Robitaille, Yari Curry each had one for L.A. when they beat San Jose 11-4. That's also really impressive too that that happened all on the same team. Three hat tricks. That's pretty cool. Um, but no, uh, two for the wild one for the Vancouver Canucks. It was the most goals in a wild game ever. Joel Ericksonic ties the, um, the wild career or the wild game high in points with six. Uh, that is also a career high for him. And yeah, like I mentioned earlier off the top, Vancouver will need to hit the reset button quick as they visit the abs tonight. That should be a really fun one. Um, it's really nice having hockey all day yesterday. Um, it really felt like a baseball day actually um just hockey all day staggered starts i mean this was kind of a a person's dream especially someone that does what we do here um it was just a really nice feeling i have to admit i really liked it i wish the nhl would do a bit more of that i know it was a holiday both stateside and to our friends up north but um give me like give me a few of those a year Right, like give me a good, you know, five of those a year or six of those a year for Once each a team. Month, I feel like, yeah, like it's not, especially. I mean, I don't know. I think the Monday was good. You know, like it was a good day to have it. Made it feel like a bit like Sunday vibes. I know a lot of people were working too, and, um, but even still, like a lot of the games were full. It's not like there was a lot of lack of attendance at a lot of the games. I don't think people mind playing hooky for work or school or whatever it was to go catch a hockey game on a good Monday. Um, so it was fun. Give me more of those. Um, Anaheim takes down Buffalo in the earliest game of the day. Uh, John Gibson throwing his name for save of the year candidate, Robin Tage Thompson late. That was awesome. Just diving glove, save right on the goal line. Tage thought it went in, uh, would have been his second in the night, um, to tie the game in the third, but, uh, it did not go. John Gibson was excellent. So was Mason McTavish for the ducks. He had two really nice assists on the Frank Vetrano goals. Um, You can really see Mason McTavish developing into a nice player, really good two-way center, um, is going to just... I think his passing ability is very underrated too, Um, but he can create, he uses his size well, he um, is getting himself in the good areas to score. Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if he's really known at being just super great at any one skill in particular, but just being one of those guys that's very good at a lot of different things. So um, just a really good game out of him, too. That was a tough one for the Buffalo Sabres fans in the in the building, outside of the building. It was a tough one for the players, too. Um, you know, I, I I think they felt that they were going to put together a better effort in that one. So things are quickly slipping away from Buffalo here. And I know we've talked about that a little bit. I, well, we have to get someone from the market in soon to do a little bit of a deep dive on this Buffalo Sabres team. Because they went into the season with... Uh, The expectations that maybe they should be where a team like Detroit is currently and they have really not been able to put it together and be close to something like that. So um, we'll we'll see how that goes. Like I said, we're going to need to get somebody in the market. I got a few people in mind, a few people I can reach out to, but um, I'll lock something down for that. Um, Get some more Sabres talk in. Everybody loves talking about the Sabres. Um, So those fans deserve a lot better. They, they really do. They're great hockey fans. They're some of the best hockey fans in the world. Um, Buffalo's a hockey city. It's like Bills and Sabres there. That's all they care about. And if the Sabres are good, they will show up. But this team has been promised to be further along in their rebuild process for like five years now. And the fact that there has been close to zero signs of growth. Um, I've seen a lot of commentary about the buffalo sabers treating the national hockey league like a development league where they get a handful good handful of guys that are nhl ready and then a good handful of guys that aren't and then they make sh- they get those guys to a point that they are really nhl ready but then they bring in another handful of guys that aren't and they the guys that were when at the beginning have moved on somewhere else so um there's a lot to figure out in buffalo we'll, we'll see how that goes in the future but uh on the other side of the Atlantic, going down to North Florida, uh, really feels like Tampa Bay let one slip away yesterday. Uh, we talked about the 9-2 loss to the Panthers from Saturday, and this was supposed to be the bounce back game, your host in Ottawa. They're similar to Buffalo, like a team that had a lot higher of expectations from us on the outside and probably from them on the inside, and really haven't met them. Um obviously let go of DJ Smith, Jacques Martin behind the bench. Um, and instead, Matthew Joseph sniped two goals. Ottawa rolled past the Lightning four to two. That was the game was not as close as the, as the scoreline might indicate. Um, and yeah, this was supposed to be the get right for Tampa Bay. This was the get get right game right here. And they just they let Tim Sduslo walk in on the first goal. Like I mentioned, Matthew Joseph sniped two. The first one was on a two on one. Um, after he made a really good defensive play, on Nikita Kucherov to block the shot and get it up. And the the third or his second goal the the sense third goal um was just a snipe and um yeah if you're Tampa Bay like that that's two points that you're really going to want back especially with Detroit picking up a big two points with the overtime win in Seattle yesterday so um the lightning might end up ruining that or ruining that day later on in the season Ottawa will be in sunrise tonight taking on the cats so that should be a good one as well. We'll see how the Cats play after uh, that nine-two game against the Lightning. Um, really nice seeing Oliver Shillington get his first of the season and first since returning back to the lineup after that big hiatus. Um, how about a Sean Monahan hat trick against his former team? Um, that is his second, third, and fourth goal with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, they they fall to the Flames six to three. Nazem Kadri had a really good showing. Um, just a lot of good overall uh, player performances by Calgary no, nothing really um super standout-ish I think Kadri was the most standout player in that one um but Jonathan Huberdeau had the game-winning goal Pani had a goal and an assist a lot of a lot of very good efforts from the flame side Jacob Markstrom was good after the after giving up the Monaghan hat-trick so um Jets are gonna have to turn the page a little quick uh they will face the suddenly high-flying 10-goal scoring Minnesota Wild today they will host them um that has a chance to be the game of the night i would definitely say um also in that that um argument is the canucks and the avalanche so uh, a lot of good hockey games tonight but uh i think we should go to the local team now and there was a lot of interesting stuff happening in the in the hawks game yesterday they fall to the carolina hurricanes and I, I don't know. Like, well, first of all, we talked about Connor Bedard scoring, and he did, and then they called it back, and then he scored again, which, you know, was was a nicer goal. Um, it was nice for him to get one on the board. Um, I'm sure he would have liked to have had both. He was told by Spencer Martin to check the scoreboard. Um, he also had two assists, and I don't know what the Blackhawks—like, they, they can't—I mean, before it was they can't score— and now that they have this piece back, the the defense has really not been as solid as it was when Connor Bedard was out. And I get it when you have a major piece of your lineup out. We're seeing it with Toronto right now with the Morgan Riley suspension. They've won all four games without him, and that's because they've tightened up defensive structure a little bit. Yes, they're getting some scoring pe- um, scoring chipping in here and there, but when you give guys more opportunity, you have to play in your you know you're missing some really high end players. You know that you have to account for it in other areas of your game. So, um, that being said, the Hawks have kind of gotten away from what made them a better defensive team when Bedard was out of the lineup. And, uh, I mean, the Hurricanes are a very good squad. Let's not um, try and paint this as just the Blackhawks thing. Uh, Sebastian Ajo hit 20 goals. He has 20 in each of his first eight seasons. Um, But... The the story is Bedard for me. It, it always is with this team. I think it's we're going to watch this kid develop and grow into one of the more dominant players in the National Hockey League in the game. Um, and look, I mean, he. I'll read off some stats. Uh, let's see. Only other Hawks 18-year-old with two three-point games is Patrick Kane. Ever heard of him? Uh, he also passed Eddie Olchek for the most Hawks uh, 18-year-old multi-point games. So... Uh, just very impressive stuff out of the kid. Um, he will lead this team for the next ten years. I uh, and I think he he's of that Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid mold. I mean, who knows what we're gonna see in the future with Connor McDavid, but the the Sidney Crosby mold of just really wanting to do right, especially when you play for such an iconic organization. Um, so uh, there, there's gonna be a lot of runway here for him to really grow with this team and but it was nice to see him getting um into it physically uh after the whistle scrums too. not shying away from anything physical um not shying away from any um interactions with some of these players that uh could definitely beat him up so it's uh i don't think anybody's going to beat him up but you know do you think we'll see Connor bedard get in a fight one day
1: i mean probably not soon with
0: him wearing the No, no. With the with the bubble, no, we're not gonna see a fight from him, but
1: give it next year, two years, once he's been in the league for a little bit. The team's a little better. Team's a little bit better. You got a little bit more fight in him. He's a little older, got a little bit more weight. I think yeah, then he'll start kind of doing what he did today a little bit, but kind of escalating it, I think. So
0: You see, Austin Matthews has never had a fight. There was that kind of fight with uh, Stephen Stamkos in the playoffs, but Austin never really took his gloves off, but Stammer did, and they they went after it a little bit. Um, I don't know. Could you look up if Connor McDavid has ever been in a fight? I know he was in a fight in junior hockey, and he broke a finger or a thumb, and that kept him out of some games his draft year, I want to say. Um, but I don't know that Conor McDavid's been in a fight in the National Hockey League. Um, I I don't know. I wouldn't want to see... It's tough because you don't want to see these guys. I mean, obviously, we've seen Sidney Crosby fight. Uh, It doesn't happen very often, but he he is a willing participant if if he deems it necessary. So um, just a very interesting player overall that the Hawks have here. I don't
1: think they were... Any in the NHL? I'm only seeing him when he was playing for Erie. Yeah. Uh, that, that's three the one. Fights
0: There's three of them.
1: Or two. Oh, look two at fights. that. Uh, do you have the opponent's
0: name maybe of who Tiafron
1: he and Mascant.
0: I don't know. I don't know those players. Um, But I, 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 we'll have to do a little bit of a deep dive on the, the Connor McDavid Jr. fights and what those were about. Maybe we can find someone from Erie or around that that's been following the guy for a while to uh, give us the scoop there. Uh, shout out Mason Morelli uh, taking the long road to the National Hockey League, scoring his first goal, picking up an assist as well. On the Keegan Colasar, 4-0 goal. VGK win over the San Jose Sharks, 4-0. Um, Logan Thompson picks up the shutout. And the Golden Knights suddenly rolling again. Just good that they could, they, they've they become that organization like Tampa Bay. Where, um, you know, and I know we were talking about Florida being kind of like Tampa of a few years ago with the with the depth that they have. But uh, if we're really looking at it with the comparison to what the Lightning were, I think it might actually just be the Golden Knights right now. Differences in the team, I think they have a bit of a bigger defense. The Stars up front are a little different, um, a little bit less dynamic. They never... You know, I would argue that Alex Petrangelo is very, very good, and so is Shea Theodore, but I would not I would argue that he's not at the same level as Mikhail, or not Mikhail Sergachev. Certainly, they're at the level of Mikhail Sergachev, but uh, Victor Hadman. So, and same goes with, like, Kucherov. Um, Jack Eichel and Mark Stone are great. Uh, Jonathan so is great. I don't know that it's Stamkos point Kucherov. So, um, but the ability for the... Vegas Golden Knights to call up players like we've seen Mason Morelli called up, we've seen uh, Caden Korzak called up and give them some good games. Just different players that uh, you're able to just call up and plug into the lineup, and it is pretty dynamic what uh, what they're able to do with that. Um, They run a really good AHL program down at Henderson. I have a few friends that work there, and they say it's a really top of the line organization. So, um, both on and off the ice that they care a lot about player development. And, uh, it, it's just very cool. Um, I'm trying to find a little bit about Mason Morelli here, played for five minor leagues teams in the past six seasons. So he's split in between the, uh, the coast and the AHL and it, he went to North Dakota or no, he went to Alabama Huntsville. His dad went to North Dakota and so did his grandfather. I want to say, um, but he's from North Dakota and went to Alabama Huntsville and, Played there and just very cool overall to um, see him make the NHL. It's, you know, don't give up on your dreams, man. Like you can always make the, you can always do whatever you want no matter the age. Um, Raven, we might have talked about it on this show, but if we talked about the, the oldest guy to make his NHL debut, he played at Nebraska Omaha. Is that what I said? I believe so. Okay. Yeah, he was captain his last year, played for Stockton for a couple years, played for Hershey for a little bit. Um, and then signed with the Golden Knights uh, this year. So um, he <laughs> pays for uh, 56 points in 28 NHL games if he can keep up this pace. Can you look up the, the oldest guy to make his NHL debut? Uh, October 11th, 1969
1: at the age of 34. Um, what's his name? It just says his last name. Bob uh, Bob Barlow. Bob Barlow. Made okay. his uh, NHL debut as a member of the Minnesota North Stars, becoming the oldest rookie to play the game. And it was eclipsed three years later by
0: 38-year-old Connie Mag- Madigan. Oh, Con- Mad Dog Madigan, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 Okay. Okay. Um, he's the oldest rookie to play. And I think he played a few years in the NHL, if I'm not mistaken. I think uh, Madigan played a few years after making it to the NHL. So... Um, Mason Riley also wasn't the, he was the older of the two older guys to get their NHL crack, but Justin Brazzo also signed a two-year deal with the Bruins yesterday morning, right after we finished recording. And then he was put right into the lineup. Um, and he scored also because why not? Uh, if that seemed to be one of the themes of the day, great feed by Jesper Boquist. He also had himself a great game. Um, Bruins win the marathon shootout, uh, McAvoy with the sweet deke on the winner, but four years in North Bay for Brezzo, he went undrafted, he uh, split the last five seasons between the Leafs and Bruins AHL and, EC- AHL and ECHL affiliates, so um, he's 26, not, he's got a few years on um, rally, but, the I mean, look, they're both big bodies, I mean, Brezzo is very, like, a noticeably large fellow out there, and... Um, I, I don't know. I think the Bruins are always trying to find guys like that that can play. Um, Brazil said after the game, it really feels like he can play at this level and compete. And uh, he nice to see him get the goal. Uh, Pasternak ties it late for the Bruins with the goalie pulled. Swayman was really good. Um, the the Stars too. I mean, they they played a good hockey game. They probably deserved a better fate. And it doesn't get any easier for them as they go to Madison Square Garden to take on the Rangers. And that is a team coming off a very emotional win Sunday. Um, that, that huge comeback win outside over the Islanders. So um, we'll see. That one should be a thriller tonight. Eight games in the NHL tonight. Uh, we already mentioned stars at the Rangers. We mentioned Senators at the Panthers. We mentioned the Wild taking on the Jets, which should be just a really spirited tilt, um, and the Canucks and Avs, which uh, holds the promise of probably the game of the night. Um, the Preds are also visiting the Vegas Golden Knights tonight. But the But the game with arguably the biggest stakes might just be the Islanders visiting the Penguins, um, with the Devils and the Caps not too far behind, because all these teams are right one, two, three, four, uh, right outside the wild card race in the Eastern Conference. And it's tight. I mean, it it is very tight right now. Um, I I don't know. It, it it's very likely that a lot of these teams, three of these four teams, two of these four teams, maybe even four of these four teams, are very disappointed once the season ends. Um because if you if you look at that Eastern Conference playoff picture, I mean, like I mentioned, Detroit with the big two points over the Kraken, Ben out with the overtime winner, um, Lucas Raymond had a nice goal, um, but the are the Red Wings really going to fall out of it? They've been playing better. I mean, whenever they put Alex Lyon in the net, it really seems like he tries to get wins for them, and, um, you know, Reimer had the big shutout in Calgary the other day, too, um, so... It's very likely that a lot of these teams playing tonight are very disappointed by season in, season's end and a playoff spot's gonna be very hard to come by. So, um, tonight's games like we mentioned with Tampa Bay's last night, uh, these games here could be pointed to as difference makers, season markers, or games that you look back on at the end of the season and been like, ah, th- those were two points that we really should have had. Um so the last game on the night will feature the Kings playing host to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, that will also be a good one. The Kings really looking to get uh, right. I mean, I know they picked up the win on Sunday in yarmir night in Pittsburgh, but um, the the Kings just need to play a more consistent game. And I guess, you know, consistency will come by bringing that effort Sunday Game to game, but I really thought they were outplayed by the Penguins for large stretches of the game. Um, I just think the Penguins couldn't bury one at times, and um, you know, obviously the Adrian Kempe goals, you know, stood for Los Angeles. So, and Columbus too. Also, we mentioned their nice big win on Saturday with the late Boone Jenner goal. Um, that was the first win after firing Yarmo Jar- Kekalainen and um, having John Davidson also step up as the uh, interim GM to figure out the future direction of this organization. So. Um, just good stuff here. I mean, like the the playoff race is getting really exciting. The uh, even the race at the bottom <laughs> is getting pretty exciting. The race for Macklin Celebrini, the um, the how this draft positioning is going to work out. Like, what are these teams going to do as far as coaching staffs go and even management positions go? I wouldn't be surprised if Yarmo Keklinen wasn't the only GM fired this year, um, or let go. Let's say maybe two weeks after the season ends. Um, so, you know, I think some candidates are going to come up. Um, you know, I think the Columbus GM search is very, very intriguing. Um, obviously Mark Connor's name in London has been brought up a lot. Uh, he was the finalist for the Leafs jam job before it was given to Kyle Dubas. Um, and obviously Mark Connor runs one of the premier junior hockey organizations in the London Knights. So, um, I think he would be a prime candidate for the job. Also, Eric Tolsky in Carolina, I think, is a really bright guy. Um, His work prior to the Hurricanes was really good stuff. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that that's, like, a guy that really needs an opportunity. I'm all for giving guys opportunities that haven't had um, a, a chance to do it before, right? Like, I'm, you want to see new blood in these positions, uh, both on the coaching side and in the GM roles. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a very interesting end of the, the season. Uh, the Champions Hockey League season, however, ends tonight. Um, I mentioned this tournament a few weeks ago. Um, it is a cross-border uh, club team tournament, uh, kind of like the Champions League in soccer. Uh, the KHL does not play, and there are some other leagues that do not play, but it is a majority of the um, the big leagues in Europe, the F- Liga, the SHL, the the SL, or the NL in um, Switzerland. So, um j- should just be really good. Um, Tapra is the last uh, defending champion, but uh, Sweden, Swedish teams have taken it all but two seasons. So, um, they will have a chance to re- reclaim their glory today on behalf of Shalefdia, and um, they'll play Geneve Servette of the Swiss League. So, um, that should be a good one. I'm going to watch that. And... Um, what else there was another note an international hockey note oh that is right so the nhl is going preseason overseas again they are going to germany and i probably should have had this ready um but so they're going over to germany do 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 great radio
1: i can butt in with a uh, something that happened today oh yeah, Ford, yeah. 82 years ago today uh phil esposito was born
0: look at that man phil esposito is such a legend such a legend yeah I was gonna say I'm
1: looking at some of the resume and it's read it off read it off Canadian Hockey Hall of Fame Center Coach General Manager Broadcaster for the Blackhawks Bruins and Rangers that is a successful hockey career if I've seen one
0: I mean he was really instrumental in bringing hockey to Tampa Bay too Um, the Lightning uh, was he not the first general manager of the Lightning yes Um, pretty sure or was it was it Tony? Oh my gosh! Uh, doo, doo, doo. This is a hockey show, right? Fuck, dude. Uh, you can doo, bleep doo, that doo, out. Doo. Yeah, we'll bleep that out. <laughs> my goodness, I, I think I thought it was Phil Esposito. Great radio here, but here's here's the point I wanted to make about um, the international hockey. So the Buffalo Sabers are gonna um, play Red Bull. He
1: was the founding and manager of
0: the Tampa Bay. I like knew it. I hard. knew it. I knew it. Yeah, I knew it was Phil Esposito. He is. Uh, Really beloved in Tampa Bay, did a lot to bring hockey down there. I mean, hockey in Tampa Bay was very odd. They were playing out of Tropicana Field where the, the Rays played for a long time um, before getting their own arena situation figured out. So um, hockey's been really growing in Tampa, um, too. As someone that grew up experiencing hockey and having their hockey formative years in that state, um, the the northern part of the state is definitely – I think it's evening now, more so. Um, it used to be, and I think it still is, there's more guys in the NHL from South Florida, but there's more guys in pro hockey from North Florida and college hockey. And the hockey just tends to be pound for pound bigger up there. South Florida, just for some reason, tends to produce these guys that um, can take that take it that step further and make it to the NHL. So, um, yeah, I mean, he did, he did a lot for hockey in Tampa. But so... Buffalo's going to visit Germany. They're going to take on Red Bull. It is the first game in the new SAP Garden, which is going to have a capacity of 11,250 for ice hockey. That will be September 27th as part of the NHL's Global Series. Um, I'm trying to find out what the other bits of information are about the Global Series. But... um, I will research that. The other thing that I want to bring up, too, is uh, Alex Ovechkin um, told or, you know, this Russian reporter Igor Rabiner um, said that Alexander Ovechkin believes he will retire from professional hockey when his contract ends. Um, That is 2026. He currently has 836 goals, 59 off, breaking the NHL record. I think he could do it in two seasons, um, plus whatever's left here. That is definitely an attainable mark for Alexander Ovechkin. Um, I yeah, I don't I never really pictured Ovechkin as a guy that was going to push it farther and farther. We mentioned yesterday how um, Sidney Crosby has been uh, touted as maybe a guy that could play another six or seven years yesterday. Ovechkin's not that same guy. I um, I think it would be the the more interesting discussion with Ovechkin will be when he retires from the NHL, Is he done playing hockey, or will he go play a season or two with Dynamo Moscow in the KHL? Um, His youth, childhood team, the team that he was drafted from, I I think that's a very interesting topic of conversation when we get closer to that um, because I'm sure they would love to have him. I'm sure they would make him the captain right away. Um, And, you know, maybe there's a part of him that does want to play, but, you know, maybe there's a part of him that doesn't want to play. And if, if that's the case, then um, he probably won't do it. So um, it, it, that's just a, a good thing. Alex Ovechkin will probably end his uh, career being the greatest goal scorer of all time. Um, so its um, it'll be sad once he leaves the NHL. It's really the end of an era. Um, wh- there's a lot of talk about the new guys, and the new guys are very uh, dynamic. You know, McCarr, McKinnon. McDavid, Dreisaitl, Bedard, Jack Hughes, you know, Austin Matthews. We've talked about all these guys. But um, this is really the end of an era with the Crosby-Ovechkin situation. I mean, that was uh, when I was young and for for a lot of younger hockey fans. um, It was, I mean, the the Ovechkin-Crosby era, the the rivalry even. um, I know it was always painted to be more than it was. Um, but th- there was genuine dislike for each other, especially when those two teams played each other in the playoffs. Um, it did a lot to really just save the NHL post uh lockout, and yeah, I mean it, it's going to be uh, I mean Alexander, we t- didn't we talk earlier when what did, there was some quote by Alexander Ovechkin earlier this season where he said um just how much he did for the National Hockey League with him and said and he's right, I mean. You know, there there should be cases made that maybe Ted Leonsis offers Alexander Ovechkin a sliver of ownership of the Washington Capitals just because of how much he's done to grow the valuation of that franchise and uh, grow hockey in the market, right? So um, that would be pretty cool. Um, so here is the full scoop, according to Dave Pagnotta of the fourth period, And so Buffalo's visiting Munich. I said that. And then New Jersey is going to be in Prague for two games. Um, And Dallas and the Predators will be in Tampere, Finland for two games as well. Um, Unless – sometimes when these guys do, um, you know, they mention Teams Raven, Mm -hmm. they'll, like – they'll put, like, the team hashtags, you know, like, buff- the Buffalo Sabres hashtag is Let's Go Buffalo, right? Yeah. You know? And, like, Dallas, the Dallas Stars, for some reason, it's hashtag Texas hockey. You know? And I know that just because I've seen it a bunch. But, oh, Time to Hunt might be the Panthers, now that I'm thinking of it. Um, and the fact that they're playing in Tapada. So, um, let me just actually read the article more instead of just looking at a tweet. Um It is the Florida Panthers. I thought it was the National Predators. Time to hunt? Yeah. I mean, I guess it it makes sense, both cases. Um, But, yeah, so, I mean, that's just going to be a really exciting way to kick off the season. We saw the Global Series earlier this season with the Wild Leafs and the Sens and the Red Wings in Stockholm. And that was just—it was really cool. And, obviously, we had the Australia games to kick off the season with the Kings and the Yotes. So, um, that was fun. Look, I mean, I wish— I know why the NHL does this. It's to give their fans over there a little taste to give the players a little bit of a taste of playing an NHL game at home. Um, it's really special, especially if it's the the Devils and the Panthers playing in one, Europe and then, or Europe, uh, Czech Republic and then Finland. I mean, the Panthers, you know, Barkov, uh, louis Storanian. Um, lundell like there there are players on that team that that game markets to i think obviously Barkov in particular um but it is uh nice to see those happen in those countries i wouldn't mind them playing games elsewhere i mean i think i think we're getting close to about time that spain is ready for an nhl game um i think i think we're approaching that time if we haven't gotten there already um i think portugal is not too far off um I would love to see a game in a place like Ireland. Um, there are arenas there, or even Northern Ireland, where um, some of the uh, EIHl teams are. I mean, just like give me give me a game in one of these different markets because they would really embrace it, even if it's just for like a game or two. Um, there is a hockey. There is a thriving hockey community in a place like Spain. Um, so so give me that for an, for a game soon. I mean, maybe they end up doing something akin to what the the Yotes and the Kings did with Australia where they go somewhere else. Um, I don't know. I'd, lo- I'd love to see another game in Japan, too. The, the NHL has done that, I know. Um, but that was a long time ago, too. And I think Japan would just be a really exciting place for the NHL to venture off and play a couple games. Um, you know, plus the idea is, is that, and I think they did this, so I don't know exactly what they did for the community in Australia when they went down there, but I know that the NHL does work and brings uh, some sort of resources and um, help to the hockey communities there that obviously aren't as developed as we're used to here in the United States and up in Canada. So, um, that is the, that, that's the global series there. Um, and I think that should do it for us today. We're going to keep it kind of short. We have, um, we have uh, deep fade coming out in a little bit, a little baseball talk. I'm going to hop on actually with Zach and Raven on that one. So we're going to just add Zach to the fold in a little bit here and uh yeah like i said a lot of good hockey today a little bit of a quieter day quieter day in the nhl tomorrow so um only five games tomorrow so we'll be we'll be back to preview it all we'll talk about what happened tonight and i hope everybody has a great rest of your day